Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 220 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. It is Tuesday, July 28th, 2020. The NBA season will begin formally this week, which is going to be awesome, and hopefully they'll do a lot better than Major League Baseball did over the weekend, after which one of the Major League Baseball teams has half of its players inflicted with the coronavirus. So uh, I guess the bar is low for the NBA succeeding, but before we get to all things all things NBA and Duke-related, uh, I am Sam Klein. I am your host for this episode. I am joined, as always, by Jason Evans. Jason, how are you, sir? Yeah, the <laughs> the bar is low for the NBA. Yes, we, we will talk about the fact that the NBA seems like they are getting it right by sticking everybody in a bubble. Woo! I would not want to be baseball right now. Let's, I just would not want to be baseball. Certainly not. And Donald Wine is also here. Donald, hello. Those dumbass Miami Marlins. I can't believe that the <laughs> Miami Marlins exist. That is like, they're so dumb. They're really dumb. It, it really only took four days of the Major League Baseball season for us to all be like, wait, what? What are they doing? Are they really playing the games by traveling all around the country and going home to their families at night? Like, this is absurd. So anyway, wait, wait, okay. We'll, uh, they open, we'll you you if... open the door. You open the door. I got to say this. The biggest part for me is not oh. that they tested positive. The biggest part is that they knew they had guys who tested positive and they said, okay, guys, if you want to play, just let us know. And the players were like, yeah, let's play. And they didn't tell the Phillies. They, that's and the they big didn't thing. Tell the they Phillies. didn't tell the other team. It's like, oh my God. It's so the now, worst. It's yeah. so bad. So now half the team is affected, and the Phillies are sitting there like, oh, shit. We played them, and they knew it. Like, how is nobody going to jail, much less getting fired? Like, that's how we're at. Okay, basketball. Let's talk about basketball. Oh, no, no. I'm, I'm real clear. I'm real clear on what needs to happen. Baseball needs to say, okay, the Marlins are out. <laughs> if you have a game against the Marlins, it's a forfeit. They get no money. They get no salary. They get no nothing. They're gone until until they're healthy. But how long until, you know, a couple more teams are also incapacitated and then it's like, what are we what are we even doing here? The Astros are next, right? I can't say it's karma for for how they how they operated their their on field management the last few years, but because I wouldn't really want to wish coronavirus on anybody. Guys, I I I, I can't get get too much into this. It, it's too infuriating. Let's talk about the NBA where the only people who are being cast in a negative light are the ones we can also joke about and feel good. So let's get right to the most important news story from over the weekend. Uh, Lou Williams left the bubble, and Donald said to me and Jason over the weekend, he said, I have thoughts about Lou Williams, and I told Donald that I would like to know more about the Atlanta gentlemen's club scene. So, Donald, I'm going to let you explain exactly what happened to Lou Williams this weekend. So, there are a lot of layers to this. I'm going to peel this onion back bit by bit. Let's start with this. Donald, when you say that, you say that all the layers are coming off? Not all of them. We'll, <laughs> I wish we'll everyone could it. see my face. I wish everyone could let's see just, my face right now. Let's just get into this. Okay. So, Lou Williams, first off, was excused from the bubble. He had to attend a funeral. He's from the Atlanta area. And, uh, and right in Jason's, Jason Evans' neck of the woods, he went to South Gwinnett High School. So he was excused to go home for this funeral. He was supposed to go home, do this funeral, come right back. While they're being outside the bubble, they're supposed to be tested every single day. And he was doing that part. 
then he did what many people in in the Atlanta hip hop culture would call a trip, a field trip rather, to an adult performing arts center named Magic City. Now I'm going to, and he was caught because an up and coming rapper Jack Harlow happened to also be there and snapped a photo with him and put it on Instagram saying, "Yo, yo, you won't believe who's up in the club." And it was Lou Williams. Tag Lou Williams. All of a sudden, he was like, oh, snap. I, I shouldn't have tagged him. He's going to get in trouble. So he deleted it. It was too late. Black Twitter saw it. It was over. It was done. So Lou goes back to the bubble and is now quarantined for 10 whole days. He's going to miss the first two seeding games that the Clippers have. Now, the seeding games are really for them to you know affect their positioning in the playoffs. They're already in the playoffs. But for him to be dumb enough to do this over some chicken wings is one thing. But here's here's the thing, though. Here's where this extra layer comes. There are so, – and I know, Jason, you're from Atlanta, but I call myself the – I won't say the resident expert. I know a little bit about these adult performing arts centers. More than me. More than me. More than you, yes. You're married. <laughs> I'm not. So there is a couple of rules that everyone needs to understand. Chris Rock said it best. No one goes to Hooters for wings. You don't go to the gentleman's club to eat. That's rule number one. Rule oh, number yo, yo, two. But is, Magic City supposedly wait, has Wait, wait, like, wait, wait. You haven't got oh, to. Okay, all right. Rule number you finish. one. You finish. Doesn't go. matter where you are in this life, in this world. Rule number one, never eat at the, at the club. Rule number two, in Atlanta, discard rule number one. Because Magic City has a kitchen that is out of this world insane good which is unheard of for other cities other cities you do that i will question you to the end of time but this is lou williams favorite restaurant lou williams has his name on the menu he has his own flavor of wigs he goes there that much so the fact that he went to magic city to eat is is something that everyone in atlanta is like i understand but the problem is, is that he said that all he did was go in and pick up some food and leave. Jack Harlow wasn't eating. Jack Harlow was there for the other part of Magic City, the more famous part of Magic City, the performing arts. And he got caught engaging and viewing said performing arts and tried to pass it off under a thing that everyone in Atlanta would give him a pass on. Yo, just here for wigs. That was all I was doing. I was just here to eat. You were not there to eat, man. You may have been there to pick up food, but you got there. You had some time to wait. Wings take 20 minutes to make. So you weren't there just to pick up the wings and, and head out and, and pay cash. Your mans got caught up in the Performing Arts Center. And because of that, the Clippers, they they may are still be safe, but the Clippers are probably like, you big dummy. All you had to do was just go get your wings and go home and not get snapped up on Instagram engaging in the performing arts. So so all I'll say really quickly, the thing that I loved about this that I thought was hysterical was after the photo was posted on Instagram and people went, wait a second, Lou ain't supposed to be there. Lou's supposed to be under quarantine. And uh, I guess it was Jack Harlow said, um, oh, no, no, that's an old picture. That's yeah. not a new picture of me and Lou. That's an old uh, picture. That picture from, was from so weeks ago. A while ago. Yeah. Yeah. And then someone said, 
but he's wearing a NBA Orlando bubble T-shirt or, or hat. <laughs> he's wearing a hat that said NBA Orlando bubble on it. That didn't exist months ago. That, that wasn't even in anyone's mind months ago. And, and like, you can just see Lou Williams going, oh, man, we messed up. We Your fucked it up. Your man got caught. Your man's got caught. Yep. Your man's yep. got caught. And here's the thing, though, about Lou. Like, when you're talking about going to an establishment, this is the second time that someone has violated the bubble for chicken wigs. One guy literally was like, <laughs> I'm tired of the food in the bubble, which you're thinking, like, what does he have, like a hotel buffet? No, they have gourmet chefs that will make them whatever they want. And oh, it's he good was stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, I'm tired of the bubble. I don't want this gourmet food. I just want some chicken wings. So he ordered Uber Eats and walked outside of the bubble 20 feet to meet the driver because the driver couldn't enter the bubble. So he walked outside of the bubble to get his wings and walked back into the bubble. And he was immediately quarantined for like 10 days. This like everyone understands if, if you want chicken wings next time, Lou, like. Just have the gourmet cook make chicken wings. I'm pretty sure they'll do it. They they literally can get any food in the bubble that they want. If look, you want look. some fried chicken wings, just go ahead and have them make it. Don't go to the Performing Arts Center when you're at home. Please don't do that. Everyone else, don't do that. Look, look. all I'll say is th this shows how seriously the NBA is taking the bubble. I yeah, mean, absolutely. That that's, that's the message here. That I mean, it's funny. We're laughing in Lou Williams. I mean, it's crazy <laughs> that you went to a strip club when you're supposed to be in the bubble. But... This really show, this is this is why the NBA I think is going to succeed at what they're attempting to do and why baseball so far is not and, and NFL looks like by the way it's just announced we're not going to get into it it's just announced a short time ago six members of the New England Patriots say they're not going to play including mm -hmm. Donta Hightower who is a really good football player probably the best one that, that team. probably the best one that has opted out so far yeah one thing that is is you know you talked about how the how serious that the NBA is taking the bubble. I mentioned that when guys are excused from the bubble, they are taking tests every single day, and that how those tests go lets them know how many days they have to be in quarantine once they re-enter the bubble. They've been comparing Lou Williams' escapades to that of Zion Williamson, who left the bubble because he had an emergency family matter. We mentioned that in the last show. And he was gone for about 10 days or so outside the bubble. He was tested every single day that he was gone. He took care of his business. Everything came back negative. And so he only had to spend four days in quarantine. Uh, so when it comes to the game, he's not missing any games. He basically re-entered on Friday, and he was able to at least sit on the bench for the last preseason game or the last uh, scrimmage game that they had. And he will be ready to go on Thursday night when the Pelicans open up their seeding part of this uh, of this playoff thing. So that is how you like they, he's been compared to Lou Williams in this. And basically everyone's saying the rookie took it more seriously than the season veteran. And I think that is uh, really just how the NBA is not cutting corners. Like, I don't care who you are. If you mess with the bubble, you won't be playing. And I think that's what it should be. Yeah. I, I think that that's the most important thing here. Donald is, is how seriously the NBA is taking it. And that, these little things like in normal times would like, who cares where Lou Williams is, is going out late at night to eat food or enjoy whatever entertainment he enjoys. Yeah. During normal times, that would be fine during this particular time, just not a good idea. And and everyone is, is either laughing at him or, or scolding him. Meanwhile, if the entire Atlanta Braves roster decided to go have dinner tonight at magic city, nobody would be any the wiser. So that that's the that's the difference between basketball and baseball. I want to talk I do want to talk more about basketball because as we mentioned 
the NBA regular season resumes this week. I guess I guess it's most analogous to the regular season. They're sort of calling it the the seeding games or the the pre-playoff games where many of the teams are already in the playoffs. Some teams are not in the playoffs and are fighting to either get in or they're fighting for their specific seeding. So the Lakers and the Bucks are at the top of their conference. They're likely going to be cruising into number one seeds. Lower down, the teams may or may not be making the playoffs. But what we wanted to do on this show was walk through some of the key Duke alums who are going to be playing in in these games. And so what we did was we divided up some of the guys who we think are going to either have the most impact or the teams that we think are, you know, most important for for Duke fans to be watching so you can get a little preview of the NBA season. We are not your NBA experts. We are not here to give you a breakdown of, of all 22 teams. We're going to go ahead and highlight the guys that that we know and love the best. So, of course, in the vein of that, who's the team the one NBA team we've been talking about so much this year, not just on this podcast, but any Duke fans, we're going to be talking about New Orleans Pelicans first. And so I'm going to give it to Donald. Uh, Donald, you you mentioned already about Zion leaving the bubble and coming back and being eligible post-quarantine to rejoin the team in time for the regular season. The Pelicans are just out of the playoffs right now. So what can we expect from Zion Williamson and the rest of the Pelicans heading into the resumed regular season? The Pelicans are probably the most interesting team in this bubble because of what you just said. They, they're they right on the cusp. They're only three and a half games back of that eighth spot in the West. But also their seeding games really give them a chance to leapfrog a bunch of teams. And, you know, so they start out with the Jazz and the aforementioned Clippers who will not have Lou Williams during that game because of, you know, things. But... After that, they play the Grizzlies, the Kings, the Wizards, the Spurs, the Kings again, and then they end with the Magic. All of those teams are either just below them in the Western Conference standings or just above them in the Western Conference standings or, or in the East in the case of the Wizards and the Magic. So they have a chance to make up some ground and keep the streak going that J.J. Redick has in his career where he's never missed the playoffs. It And really, when it comes down to it, it's going to ride on, you know, Zion Williamson is going to be back. He looks great in preseason practices. He he missed the scrimmages, but in the practices, he's looked really good. You know, JJ Redick had 20 points in the third quarter against the Bucs. The Bucs are the best team in the NBA right now. So, you know, that sort of, you know, play is going to be in, is going to be interesting from him. Brandon Ingram, Frank Jackson, Jaleel Okafor are three other Duke guys who have really factored in well in this Pelicans season. And especially uh, we you kind of have to break it into two seasons before Zion and, and post Zion, you know, debuting. So you have those guys really co- contributing. Drew Holiday and Lonzo Ball have been playing inspired basketball. And I think because of that, this is the team that everyone's going to be watching. Can they make that leap? And they have everything in front of them to do just that. I think they're going to do it because if they play the inspired basketball that we saw before the pandemic started, and what we've kind of seen from the scrimmages so far, if they play that against these teams, these are, you know, the Jazz and Clippers may be games that they can maybe clip one of them, but the other games are very winnable. And if they can win all six of the last six of those games, they're in the playoffs. Donald, I think it's important that you brought up the schedule because the, the schedule looks a little different than it normally would. Usually at the end of the regular season, you have teams fighting for playoff contention then you also and and also trying to rest guys up before the playoffs while 
you have teams sort of at the bottom who are jockeying, for, sort of reverse jockeying for lottery position. The teams looking for lottery position are gone. They're not in Orlando. They're not in the bubble, so they're not playing here. And so the teams who are going to, say, care the least are the ones who are already in good playoff position. Home court advantage really doesn't matter at all because who cares if, if your logos are up on the wall or, or your fans' faces projections. I saw, I watched the Lakers preseason games the other night and they had some some fans like behind the uh, behind the bucket for, for free throw attempts, which was cool. But none of that really matters as much as it normally does. So if you're a team that's in third place, you really don't need to get to second place. And, it, and if you slip to fourth or fifth or sixth, it, it's not going to make a huge difference. So you're going to see the teams that are right at the bottom in the six, seven, eight, nine, ten area still fighting it out to the end. But yeah, if they're playing teams that are that are really good or really at the bottom, um, by the end of the season, which is only going to come in a couple weeks, we may be looking at, at a really different set of motivations. Jason, I, I wanted you to, to quickly react to Donald on the Pelicans because we know that that that's the, the the team we like talking about most. But I also wanted to get your updates on Jason Tatum and the Celtics, as well as Seth Curry. Yeah, but before I get to them, I just really want to quickly say Zion Williamson's workouts that he was doing when everybody was sheltering in place throughout the coronavirus. It's crazy how much people are excited to see him play. Uh, we, 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 we got little clips, little snippets, you know, of, uh, of workouts or just, you know, still pictures of his body and things like that. And like the excitement that it generated was palpable. And, and, and so I am dying. I'm so thrilled that he made it. Obviously, that whatever was going on with his family hopefully has been worked out. He's made it back into the bubble and he's been cleared to play because I don't think I've ever been this excited to see a player take the court, you know, having having no idea, you know, from any preseason or anything like that, whether they're going to do something special. It's like you already know he's going to do something special. And I think it's really interesting the way, and it's not just Duke fans. I mean, I've heard it from other NBA fans who are like, yeah, I want this thing to start back up because I want to see what Zion's going to do. It's like we all recognize that he was injured and and then he sort of came back slowly and and we expect we're about to get the first real taste of what this guy can do. And so it's just, uh, there's no other word for it than exciting. But I also have a job to do, which is, uh, we all sort of decided we were going to divide this up and take different players and different teams and things like that. And and I said I wanted Jason Tatum in the Boston Celtics because I think Jason Tatum is one of the most compelling stories um, going on for Dukies in the NBA right now outside of Zion Williamson. And that's because Jason Tatum is unquestionably the best player on what is probably the fourth best team, third or fourth best team uh, in the NBA right now, uh, which means the Boston Celtics have a real shot to go deep in the playoffs, to maybe even make the NBA Finals, to contend for a championship in what is only Jason Tatum's third year in the league. And the Celtics are so young, and they have decent depth, so they should respond better to sort of this weird, compressed coronavirus bubble schedule and things like that, the uncertain conditions of it. A young team should actually respond better to it, I think, than maybe guys who are a little bit older and more set in their ways. So I think the Celtics have a real, real chance to do something special here. And like I said... Tatum is the man for them. Um, now, he showed a ton of rust, uh, especially in his shooting touch in the first like scrimmage and a half. They, they played two scrimmages and the entire first scrimmage, he shot one of six from the field, which is just not good. And he started out the next game, the next scrimmage, he started out, I think, like 0 for 4, 0 for 5, 1 for 5, something like that. But but then it seemed like, you know, like he'd sort of knocked the rust off. He started playing a lot better. He finished that second scrimmage with 16 points. 
he looked a little slow at times. He had a little trouble getting to the right spot to get off his shots. But but based on what we've seen from him before the guys went into the you know coronavirus shutdown, uh, there's no reason to think that that's not going to reverse itself as the rust comes off. And he he is absolutely an incredibly elite player. He has a chance to be all NBA. He was already an all-star. Uh, he's an excellent rebounder for his position. Um, he had nine rebounds in that second scrimmage, led the team in rebounding. He, he's a very good passer. They put the ball in his hands. Even with Kemba Walker, Kemba Walker had been hurt. Even with him now back, the Celtics are Jason Tatum's team. So I'm dying to see what Jason Tatum does um, You know, in this little window. Uh, I, I think he has a chance to, to really vault himself closer and closer to the elite of the sport. And I just want to mention really quickly, there's a great little story that was out on Instagram the other day. When Jason Tatum went into the bubble, it meant that he had to leave his family behind. He has a son who, who's uh, you know just a toddler who's named Jason Tatum Jr. His nickname is Deuce. Everyone calls him Deuce because he is Jason Tatum number two. And Jason Tatum Jr.'s, Deuce's favorite book is Brown Bear, Brown Bear, What Do You See? And so Jason Tatum, the dad, brought two copies of that book and several other books, one copy for his son to have outside the bubble and one for Jason to have in the bubble so that when he is in the bubble, he can still, you know, FaceTime, Zoom, whatever you want to call it with his, with Deuce, with his son. And, and he can read the books to his kids the way he does when he's there in person. I thought that was so, that's so cute. And it, it was just, it was just sweet. So I, I, I really liked it. I thought that was really great. So in addition to Tatum, the other guy I want to talk about is Seth Curry. Um, when the NBA went on break, Seth was averaging for the Dallas Mavericks uh, 12 and a half points per game, two rebounds, two assists. But the big thing is he was shooting 50% from the field, including 45% from three. I mean, dude was absolutely scorching the nets this season. And he is arguably, I say arguably, the best long-range shooter in the NBA right now. And in Dallas's first scrimmage, they come back from the break. And you would think, I mean, like shooters, this should be one of the things that's sort of difficult to, to replicate during coronavirus is, is, is shooting, you know, with, with defense and stuff, because there hasn't been any defense around. Well, in their first scrimmage, Seth plays 15 minutes. He hits all eight of his shots, including six of six three-pointers. And he scored 23 points as Dallas beat the Lakers in that scrimmage. Now, I don't know when Dallas is going to become a real contender for a title. I don't think they're quite there yet, but Luka Doncic is going to get them there at some point, and it may be sooner than we expect. Luka does such a good job of getting the other guys in that team good looks from three. They, they hit the Dallas hits the second most amount of threes of any team in the NBA, and Seth is a huge part of all of that. And, and I, I will not be at all surprised. Like I said, he scored 23 points in 15 minutes in their first scrimmage over the Lakers. I won't be at all surprised if Seth scores 20 plus points in multiple other games during this bubble session, because he, he is locked in and he is on a team that knows how to find good three point shooters. And I think just, he's just in a really interesting place on a team where they have an incredibly bright future. He just signed with them in the off season, a four year, $32 million contract. And I'll admit when he signed it, I was like, eh, yeah, 30, you know, $8 million a year for a guy who really is just shooting threes for you. That contract looks like a bargain right now. Seth is worth every penny of $8 million a year. And guys, huge segue here. Huge, like, thing I want to talk about. I looked this up. Who do you think, this is a really interesting question, who's going to make the most money 
of the early 2010 Duke basketball guys. Now I'm 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 taking Kyrie Irving out of the equation because Kyrie's already made 126 million dollars and he's due another 105 million dollars over the next three years. So excluding Kyrie, and we go we're going through 2015, first half of the decade. Which Dukey's going to make the most money in his career? Here are the contenders. So Kyle Singler made $22 million, but he's done. He, he doesn't, you know, no more NBA future. Seth Curry is currently, actually, the next guy is Rodney Hood, $15 million. Um, but he, he, he's got some money still coming to him. He's got a $5 million player option. So Rodney Hood's in at $15 million. Seth is currently at $17 million. He's got another $24 million left on his deal, though. And Seth looks like he, you know, could be making it for a while. So then there's a big jump. Here are the real contenders, okay? We've got Mason Plumley at $47 million in his career so far. He's a free agent. Austin Rivers at $48 million made so far. He's got a, a player option, but he's probably a free agent. And then um, Jabari Parker at $48 million. He's got a player option. And then leading the pack so far is Miles Plumley who's at $55 million in earnings. And the question is, does he have any more left in him? I think that probably the guy of all those who makes the most money, it, it, I think it's going to be Austin Rivers, but I, I think it could be really close. It's an interesting sort of race right now among these guys to see who can make the most in the NBA. And Seth isn't out of it, not by any stretch of the imagination. He may have the brightest future of any of those guys at this given moment. I was going to say that I think Seth Curry and JJ Redick are in a fight for the best like mid-tier off-season acquisition in the NBA because both have really come on strong for both their teams. And the thing about Seth Curry is that Dallas knew what they were doing when they were going after Jason, you talked about how Luka Doncic likes to, you know, draw a bunch of defenders and also be able to get guys wide open. You know, Seth was doing this last year. And, you know, when he did that, Luka Doncic now can just throw it to him and know if he's on the court, he's going to be in a position where if he has – you know, acres of space, Seth is going to knock that down every single time. That's why he's one of the leading three-point shooters in the NBA right now. So when it comes to it, I think the way he positions himself on the floor and the way he works with the rest of the guys on the Mavericks makes that acquisition so much better. And I think makes that, you know, contract that you mentioned so much more of a bargain for the Mavericks because they're going to be able to do this for four years. But Seth is going to cash in after that contract is done. Believe that. Yeah, I think Seth has the the longest staying power of anybody in that group, because you could imagine Seth Curry at 38 years old, still making three or four threes a game and therefore being useful to an NBA team. Austin Rivers is, is a, is a good shooter, but he's not in, he's, he's nowhere in, in Seth Curry's range. So uh, I, I I'm with you, Jason. I, I, I kind of like Seth Curry in the long run um, to outlast all those guys. Honestly, I'm shocked at how much miles Plumley has made. Uh, I, I would not have guessed when I was in school with the Plumleys and with Kyle Singler, that that Miles Plumley was going to come out ahead of of Brother Mason, although who knows, you know, over the course of his career, Mason probably ends up. Uh, Mason's going to pass him. Mason, Mason, a free agent. Offer. He's about to pass Miles. But thinking that Miles Plumley would would have a better NBA career than Kyle Singler didn't see that coming. So all of this to say, you you really just don't know. And and Lance Thomas did well for himself. And as I've said, I don't know how many times on this show, I can't believe Lance Thomas had a long NBA career. Because he, you, you could also group him in with, uh, with that set of guys. So it's fun to watch, and uh, lots of, uh, lots of interesting Duke players who, who came out during that time. Donald, did you have anything else on, on Seth Curry or Jason Tatum? No, I, I, I think with Seth Curry, I think him and the Mavericks are a very interesting team. You know, 
they have the tools to go and get some of these bigger teams. They're, they're, I don't say I say bigger teams, the teams at the top of the uh, of the conference. I don't know if they have that yet. I like Jason. I think there may be one piece away or two pieces away, or even just another year of Luka Doncic, you know, maturing. But I, I think when it comes to them, they're a very interesting team in the middle of that pack because they can school anybody and they can also get beat in the first round. That's kind of how they lie <laughs> in this Western conference. Yeah. And by the way, there's a really interesting little quirk. I got an email from, from the Duke athletic department touting the fact that, that Duke matches Kentucky with the most players who are on rosters for this NBA restart. Duke and Kentucky both have 17 players um, playing, you know, in the NBA bubble starting on Thursday. Here's the really interesting thing. Did you know of the 17 Dukies, 16 of them are in the Western Conference. Tatum, Jason Tatum, is the only Eastern Conference representative from Duke. There are no other Dukies in the Eastern Conference restart. In the Western Conference, we've got, you know, we, we mentioned all the guys we got in New Orleans. Uh, we've got a bunch of guys on, on Memphis. We're going to get to that in a little bit. We've got a bunch of guys on Sacramento, Bagley, Giles, and Parker all on Sacramento. Uh, Quinn Cook, we, you know, there are a lot of these guys, Austin Rivers, we, we've talked about a lot of them already. We're going to talk about them some more. But I just thought it was a really interesting little weird quirk that somehow Dukies are all over the Western Conference and we only have one guy, Jason Tatum. Although arguably Tatum's almost certainly one of the five best players in the Eastern Conference right now or, or, or darn close to it. All right. So we will switch gears and talk about a couple more Western Conference uh, Duke alumni. But before we do that, we will take a quick break. So I mentioned we have a couple more players we we wanted to cover here for our sort of NBA restart preview. Feel free to check out other media for, for full NBA preview content. We just wanted to talk about some of the Duke guys that we're excited about. So uh, one of the teams that is loaded with Duke players, but unfortunately won't be getting a ton of minutes from them, uh, is the Memphis Grizzlies, who have both Grayson Allen and Justice... Ju- uh, Grayson Allen, I think, is still injured. Justice Winslow recently uh, injured his hip, uh, was a was a late-season acquisition for the Grizzlies. So um, I don't think either of them will be playing... But Tyus Jones is is on the team. He's the, I guess, the backup point guard for the Grizzlies. He's obviously not the most important player on the team. The Grizzlies have a ton of young talent in John Morant and Jonas Valanciunas and uh, Dylan Brooks. But Tyus Jones, especially late in the season, was was really playing a, a key role for them sort of as their backup point guard. So I would say that Memphis is currently in eighth place. Um, they're fighting with the Pelicans and a few other teams for those those final spots in the Western Conference to make the playoffs. But uh, Memphis is, is, a, is a great young team, and Tyus Jones is, is playing a, a key role for them. So certainly keep an eye on him. The other guy that I wanted to mention uh, is another backup point guard who also played on the 2015 championship team, and that's Quinn Cook playing for the best team in the NBA right now, the Los Angeles Lakers. Cook, again, like Jones, not exactly the most important player on the team that features LeBron James and Anthony Davis, but playing a key role. And as I said, I watched a couple of their preseason or, or, or return games, and Cook is is playing strong minutes for them in a in a backup role. He's he's really leading that that second unit, and just like he did when he was in college, uh, he's got the 
he's got sort of the the emotional center of the team. Everybody everybody roots for Quinn. You could see LeBron James on the bench being really excited for anything that that Quinn Cook is is doing on the floor. So uh, if you are looking for Duke guys to root for who very well could be capturing a ring this year. Quinn Cook's already got one as a member of the Warriors. Uh, He very well could be getting his second ring this fall as a member of the Lakers. Donald, anything on on Cook or Tyus Jones or or any of the other Duke guys uh, before we move on from this? I think I've said it on this show many times in the past. Quinn Cook is one of my favorite Duke players ever. I was most proud of him when he won in 2015 when he got that ring i was even proud you know prouder for him when he got the ring with the warriors uh i am also a diehard pistons fan friend of the podcast quinn cook you are really really messing with my emotions here by being so lovable on a hated team in the lakers uh and but really when it comes to his play you see why lebron james personally went to try and bring him to the lakers in the offseason because he has been a great compliment for uh, for that team so far this year, and he's going to be very important for them down the stretch, especially when that second unit is on the court. He has that the the respect now that he can command a unit uh, by himself uh, and really just distribute the the offense and make it go through him. Uh, but he's really playing my emotions, man. Like I I don't want to have to root for the Lakers, so I'm going to root for Quinn Cook to score 35 points a game and. We'll see what happens. I, I, I'm not going to say I'm going to root for him to win every game, but I want him to go to ball out so that maybe he gets traded in the offseason to a team that I can like. So the interesting thing about Quinn Cook is uh, – the interesting thing about all these teams is sort of who can play and who is not playing and the such uh, due to the coronavirus or due to other injuries and things like that. Quinn Cook's situation, situation has been elevated because Rajon Rondo is out and Avery Bradley – are both out, and as a result, there is more time available, uh, you know, at the at the point for for Quinn Cook. Um, and so, you know, he only averaged about ten minutes per game during the regular season. I, it is entirely possible, in fact, probable that we will see Quinn Cook playing more like 15, 20 plus minutes per game for the Lakers um, during the restart and during uh, the coming playoffs. And and you're you're absolutely right, Sam. Quinn has a ring. He is the Dukey who has the best chance to get another ring coming up in the next few months. So we will come back and talk more about the the NBA games that are going on and especially the the Duke guys who are playing in them in the you know as the weeks go on and we get to see what it really looks like in the regular season in the bubble. We did want to finish up this episode with a quick mention of a story that that came out a couple days ago from the News and Observer. Luke Decock did a rundown of Uh, the ACC's most recent tax form that came out from the 2018-2019 academic year. And so we wanted to kind of go through that and talk about some of the numbers we saw because it was pretty interesting. The ACC released the payouts to each of the teams for for that year. If you look at the article, it's sort of all data from before the coronavirus and also from before the most recent media deal sets in. So some of the, the data is outdated, but it can kind of give you a sense for if you're trying to understand when you read about, you know, big numbers of, of how much programs are spending on on athletics and and how ACC teams or ACC schools compare to those of other conferences. Um, this kind of gives you a benchmark, even if it is a couple years old. So Jason Evans, I wanted to give it to you first to kind of walk me through 
what were your most interesting takeaways from the article or, or anything else from this story on the ACC financial situation as of a year and a half or so ago? The, the big takeaway from this is when you look at this story, you will absolutely understand why the ACC network had to happen. The ACC was, was not in a good situation compared to the other Power Five conferences in terms of what it was paying to its teams. It, it's a really interesting, I strongly recommend go out and have a look at this article or get a, get a pen and paper and prepare to listen to me give you some numbers because they are very eye-opening. The Big Ten during the 2018-19 uh, school year, the uh, academic year, the Big Ten gave $56 million to each of its members. $56 million if you're a Big Ten school. The SEC was next at $45 million. Then there's a bit of a drop, Big 12 at 38 million, Pac-12 at 32 million, and then the ACC at the bottom, the lowest payout of any conference among the, the Power Five was the ACC giving $29 million per team. Folks, that's about, that's half of what the Big 10 was doing. Big 10, 56 million, ACC, 29 million. So now you see why the ACC network is such an essential thing for, for us to keep up with the other big boys. It's estimated that the ACC network is going to add around $10 million per school per year. So that $29 million figure, you take that to $39 million, well, suddenly we're just behind the SEC and just ahead of the Big 12 and well ahead of the Pac-12. Well, that's kind of where the ACC needs to be in all of this stuff. So the numbers are really you know interesting as you, as you game them out. But one of the other interesting things that I saw in all of this was it was pointed out that 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 payment by the ACC, that twenty nine million dollars per team, that accounted to twenty five to thirty percent of both UNC and NC State's athletic budgets. So they also make money from various licensing deals, from ticket sales and from other stuff. But you're talking about twenty five to thirty percent of their budget coming from, you know, from from being a part of the ACC, from ACC revenues, which is really ACC television revenues. So that shows you how important all this stuff is, and it shows you how decimating it would be if we don't get those television revenues because we're not playing college sports, and that gets us all back into the coronavirus, and should we play college sports, and we're not going to have that conversation again because we have that conversation every single week, and I don't know how they're possibly going to pull it off because the NBA keeps is showing us right now that a bubble is the only way to pull it off, but I'm done. I don't want to talk about that anymore. It's going to be very difficult, but it, it is going to be a big deal if they're not able to play sports because, as we see, we're talking about 25 to 30% of the budget of those schools. By the way, the reason I don't have Duke's budget is because Duke keeps that stuff private because they are a private school. But public schools are the ones where we know all the details. When it comes to the ACC, I think one of the issues, Jason, you mentioned the ACC network. And I think that is the main issue that's kind of holding it back because as of right now, it's the one of the major – networks of these conferences that isn't distributed very widely. And I, and I say it like this here in DC, I can get the PAC 12 network. I can get the sec network. I can get the big 10 network through my cable provider. I even have access, you know, in, in Texas, my parents live, they have access to the Longhorn network uh, for the university of Texas. The big 12 doesn't have their own network, but you can get access to every game. But of the three of us, I'm the only one that technically, according to the ACC, does not live in an ACC market. And this is a city that had the ACC basketball tournament just a few years ago. So when I when I go on, I have to use you know YouTube TV or other streaming services to acquire 
the ACC network. And even for some of these streaming services and for these cable networks, they don't consider the DC market as being in conference. That's a huge problem because we're in the middle of the Atlantic Coast Conference. We are it's smack in the middle of it. There are two there are two schools within three hours of me. So you have to understand that if they're not penetrating the DC market, they're also not penetrating other markets that have a bunch of people, especially alums, that want to have these games. And if they were able to expand their reach and get into some of these bigger markets that have a lot of alums, New York City, DC, JC, you live in Atlanta, you, you have a school there, so you're technically in it. But when I was in school in Miami, there's parts outside of Miami that aren't considered part of that network. And Miami is in the conference. So you have those those things that are holding the ACC back. And I think that is what's driving some of the numbers that you see for the other schools. The SEC network, I don't even have to ask for it. It's on the same tier as ESPN uh, in, a lot of, in a lot of cities. Same with even the Pac-12. The Pac-12, I can watch more Pac-12 games on cable in D.C. than I could the ACC, and I'm in the conference. So that is something that they have to really work on over the next couple of years. I think – that reach is what's going to help them get a lot of those subscriber numbers up as well as get more revenue and vault them up the list. Donald, I think that point is really salient regarding the ACC network and how new it is. The article mentioned that that Comcast hasn't signed on yet to the ACC network and, and Comcast is one of the biggest cable providers, not just on the East Coast, but across the whole country. So there is a windfall behind some future negotiations that the ACC has to get through to to get the network in front of all of the eyeballs that it considers, even just within its own footprint, but but extending outward from that. And then the other thing I wanted to come back to is something that Jason mentioned about the overall size of, of athletic budgets and how UNC and NC State kind of have similar budgets. We don't know what, what Duke's number is, but it's probably right around what UNC and NC State spend. Similar numbers of programs. They're getting those same payouts that, you know, maybe Duke gets more in ticket revenues because they can they can get those huge donations for for seats at Cameron Indoor. But it's going to be in that same range of something like 100, 110, 120 million dollars. That's the the Duke Athletics budget annually. Maybe Big Ten teams, you know, some of those big programs, Ohio State and Michigan, can afford to have bigger budgets because they have more teams that, that they bring in more tickets for. And obviously, the Big Ten is, as we can see, is getting more revenue from TV. But if you're you know, thinking about college sports and thinking about the money, it's important to see that that about 100 to $120 million, that's the annual budget that, that Duke Athletics is working with, if you're sort of trying to put some context around this stuff. So I think that's good to, to keep in mind as we have those conversations going forward. Donald, I'll give you the last word on this, and, uh, and, then, and then we'll, we'll sign off for this week. Um, any final thoughts on the ACC's financial situation? Well, the other thing that I have about the ACC is like just overall revenue and even the, I guess the TV networks kind of build into that. You know, we've talked on this podcast about the expansion of the ACC. And when we expanded, we kind of did it. I mean, the expansion of college football conferences, the Power Five, were done with football in mind, but ours was kind of done with basketball in mind, for in, in, a, in a sense, which isn't bringing in the revenue. So you bring it in Boston College. Boston College football is not packing stadiums, and no one's trying to watch it on TV. So there's no interest in that, as opposed to you know going after a bigger school that would command more eyeballs and more attention. The other thing about the Big Ten that makes it so much higher 
is that their revenues are more expensive because they, A, have some of the biggest schools in the country, and they also have the biggest alumni bases in the country, and they're everywhere. Like Michigan fans are all over the place. Ohio State fans are all over the place. They each, Penn State, each of these teams play in the three biggest stadiums in the country. They have the three biggest alumni bases and the three biggest schools. So because of that, people, they have a reach that, Duke doesn't have that, you know, even Clemson doesn't have. Clemson is, you know, the biggest football stadium in the ACC. But outside of South Carolina, very few people really care about Clemson basketball or Clemson, you know, field hockey or whatever. They care about the football, but that's only for a couple of months a year to see if they'll beat Alabama. After that, they don't really care. So ACC has to do a better job about expanding that reach because our alums are everywhere, too. And if we have to start by the big centers that don't have the ACC network in there, D.C., New York, uh, all the way up and down the East Coast, because they're big, the biggest cities, most of them, at least the pockets, are right there. And if people in Charlotte can't watch Duke or North Carolina or NC State or Wake play, that's a serious problem that they need to address because the ACC network is based in Charlotte. So they have to get that in line. And once they do, I think you'll start to see us rise. But I, I stress that. The Big Ten is not the benchmark here. I think, like Jason said, get above the Pac-10 or Pac-12 and the, and the Big 12, and we're right in the neck of where we're supposed to be. So that is going to do it for this week's episode of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. We went through some NBA stuff. We'll obviously be touching on that again. And, of course, we always love gathering little tidbits about the financial situations at the ACC and at our beloved Duke University. So... For Jason Evans, for Donald Wine, I am Sam Klein. This has been episode 220 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Don't forget to email us at dbrpodcast at gmail.com. We will talk to you again soon. Duke Band, take us home. Lemon pepper, Lou Will Lemon Pepper Barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> I need to go to Magic City and get myself some wings. They're supposed no, to be off no. the chain. So, so Jason, I stress to you, you are married. If you want to stay married, do not, <laughs> do not get those wings. Because here's the thing. It's not like they come in a nondescript packaging. The packaging says Magic City all over it. <laughs>